Welcome to the Friday Night Clive podcast with me, Clive Payne. In this podcast, we look back at the amazing charities, organisations and people we have chatted to over the past few months, all of whom have interesting and important stories to tell. We've talked about the taboo subject of domestic abuse against men uh, before on the programme. And as I was saying a short while ago, we've done it in many different topics and subtopics. But this evening, I'm going to talk now to a survivor of domestic abuse, John James. Now, John has written about his experiences and he's now helping men generally with their health and well-being and joins me on the line now. Good evening, John. You're a survivor of domestic abuse if you're comfortable, yeah. can you tell me about your experience? Yeah, sure. Um, I met a girl. She was from Romania. And um, in the beginning, she was wonderful. She was everything I could have dreamed of. Mm. Uh, after about a month, she started what she called playing, which was pinching and twisting my skin, punching me in the chest. And if I said anything about it, if I questioned it, then she'd question my manhood. She'd say grow up I was only playing um and after a while I was I was questioning myself I was I overreacting mm. and then um she began to complain if I went out with, without her even if I went to the pub to watch the football she'd be calling and uh telling me to come back so to save any hassle I ended up staying at home uh this escalated gradually uh, I was belittled insulted spat on threatened to be stabbed in the eye. Um, and then th- there was an increase of violence and one incident, repeated kicks to the back, put mm-hmm. me on crutches for three weeks. Crumbs. And I, I, can't, I can't stand for long periods of time now, even all these years later. And this went on for about 18 months. And then she said, I found somebody else, never call me again. Right. Okay. When you were on the receiving end of that violence, did you ever retaliate no uh, there was one time when her friend told me um you've got it you've got about like a romanian man you've got to slap that? her that's the only way that's the only way she's gonna respect you right. so in one in one instant i sort of i was i was really tentatively just went ooh, and just like slapped her like really uh lightly mm. and she went crazy and I, I found out later it was a her friends just winding me up right but this must have had uh, you know a devastating is- effect on your mental health and you as a person how did it shape <clears throat> you um it, it shaped me at first by by me being uh really depressed and going into self-harm and um not wanting to talk anybody talk to anybody she'd already told me that everybody hated me at work and i believe that so it affected my work um in long term it didn't really my my recovery shaped me more than anything uh, my abuse broke me as a man like say depression and self-harm etc mm. but my recovery my recovery rebuilt me into a more confident person, more loving, compassionate and, and peaceful person. What is your understanding of the word domestic abuse? Domestic abuse can be any, anything um, uh, that's detrimental to you. Ver- verbal abuse, uh, sexual abuse, 
psychological, physical violence, gaslighting, which is really awful because you don't know what's lies or truth and you, you're questioning your own reality. What would you say to somebody who turned around and to you and said, look, John, why didn't you just walk away? Why did it take 18 months? How would you respond to that? To be honest, I'll never fully understand why. I think it was because I was repeatedly told it was my fault. Look what you made me do after every incident. Um, so you're thinking, if I could change, this would stop, which of course it doesn't. And as I mentioned, gaslighting, which makes you question your own reality. And I think it's difficult for people who haven't been through it to, to understand that. Mm. Now, I mean, you're using a term there, gaslighting, for people whom are unfamiliar with that. Can you define that for me? Yeah, I mean, she she would she would hit me or insult me um, and deny it ever happened. I, d- I didn't hit you. I didn't. Hit, I didn't say this. I didn't say that. And if it's said often enough, you start questioning your reality, and you mm. don't know what's real and what isn't. Sure. It's really, really confusing. It, obviously, you, you did a lot of research in the preparation for your book. And um, How common did you find that male domestic abuse is in the UK? In the UK, there's over 800,000 men a year that report domestic abuse, and there are many more who don't report it. A lot of the men that I've spoken to didn't report it. Well, again, you see, as I was saying in my introduction, I think a lot of people... In wrongly think that it's it's a you know it's a weakness to to you know seek help, but it most certainly is not. It's actually a strength to seek help. Yeah, De- yeah. definitely. So so obviously she then decided that she was going to leave you, and and off she went. What happened next for you? Um, I I when I sort of uh, was able to think a bit more straight. I went to the police to report it, and the police did absolutely nothing. They didn't investigate Arley at all. They questioned her, but, you know, I had um, photos of my flat smashed up by her. Mm. I had photos of a bite mark on my hand. I had an 11-minute recording of her verbally abusing me, screaming at me, and they didn't take any of that into consideration whatsoever. Now, I am surprised at that because most police forces, in fact, all police forces in England and Wales, have a very rigorous domestic uh, violence policy, domestic abuse policy. Well, the the guys that I've spoken to on my show, there's a few guys that they've called the police when they've been abused Mm. and the police have turned up and arrested them. Extraordinary. Extraordinary. Yeah. So you decided then to write your book from the darkness. What, what, what inspired yeah. you to write that apart from this incident? And how did it help you in your recovery process, if you like? I wrote from the darkness because I felt alone in my abuse. I felt like I was the only one. So I wanted to tell people that it happened to men as well. Mm. Um, and it was very cathartic writing it all down. Like like journaling, they they always tell you to to do journaling, and um, yeah, it was very cathartic. And but I never knew it would resonate as much as it did with with so many. Who else did you talk about this abusive relationship to prior to writing your book? Um, 
I, I couldn't, because she'd cut me off from my friends and family, and uh, so I, I didn't feel I could talk to them. So the only pe- people that I did speak to who really helped and really listened were uh, my GP. Mm-hmm. Um, I also went into uh, therapy, which uh, got me crying because I hadn't cried uh, during or after the abuse. So mm-hmm. that was cathartic to get it all out. Yeah, so it was like my therapist and my GP, really. It, I mean, it must have been... I mean, I can't get my head... Well, I can get my head around it, but, you know, it, I'm trying to put myself in your shoes. It, it just sounds the most horrendous thing that has ever happened to you in your life. But the the yeah. positive thing that you've got from this is that over a period of time with support, as you say, from your therapist, your GP, um, and, you know, writing your book and such like, you, you know, you flip this all around now. Are you back in contact with your family and friends? Yes, yeah. And do they understand yeah, they, the reason for the for your departure from their lives? Yeah, they they do. I mean, um, my my uh, mum was very understanding. Unfortunately, before I made my uh, full recovery, my dad passed away. I'm sorry to hear which that. Which was, which was um, that was that was, you know, put the cherry on the cake really, yeah. and devastating. Hmm. But um. Yeah, I went to India and Nepal, and that's how, how I um, how I recovered with the people that taught me a new way of living out there. Yes, and how have and you a new uh, way of thinking? And have you adopted that in your daily life now? Yeah, I've I've converted to Hinduism, mm-hmm. and um, my faith is is very important to me, and I found a, a lot of peace through that. Tell me about the From the Darkness podcast. Okay, uh, from the, the the FTD talk, um, it's a podcast about men's issues. It started being a platform for uh, male survivors of abuse to tell their story, but now it's a, a, a lot more than that. Right. Tell me more. Um, well, it's it's dealing with a lot of men's issues that uh, people don't talk about. Um, I have a, a guy coming up who's going to talk about it, um, suffering from breast cancer. I have a guy coming on that's going to be talking about his battle with anorexia. I ha- I've had a, a guy who, um, a young man who, who tried to commit suicide by throwing himself off the top of a building mm-hmm. and instead wound up in a wheelchair and now he helps others. You know, so it's like really inspirational stuff and, and stuff that's rarely talked about. Sure. What what motivated you to start the podcast? I mean, was it based on reaction that you had from your book um, or did it come from somewhere else or did you just decide then that you'd, you'd just put it down in, in print, in the, in the printed word, time to orate about this? Well, I was trying to make it... I was making a documentary uh, from the darkness um about male victims of, of abuse. Mm. And then COVID hit and it shut down our production. So I just started the podcast um, because I wanted to talk about it. I wanted to get the word out there. I wanted to help people. Um, but COVID had stopped the documentary. Yes, regretfully, I, I guess it would have done. 
from the research that you did for your book and for the podcast, really, the people that you've spoken to, are they surprised to learn that males are still subject to such domestic abuse? Uh, yeah, there, there's some surprise out there. Uh, you know, a lot of people who I've spoken to on Twitter, they are survivors of domestic abuse. Anyway, the males, male survivors of domestic abuse. So, um, they've been really supportive of what I'm doing. And mm. they were my, the first guests on my, uh, podcast when I started it. Um, there's a lot of people who are, when, especially when they read my book, were really shocked of what I'd went through, yeah. Yeah, I can imagine. What I don't understand is why these issues are such a taboo and why us chaps are rubbish about talking about it. And as I said at the beginning, I've talked about various derivations of, of abuse on the programme in the past, and I keep coming mm -hmm. to the same to the same core element, if you like, that us chaps will not speak about it. I do think there's an apathy uh, amongst um, the male population, um, um, but I think I think it's a mixture of things. Really, I'm afraid I'm afraid to say that it's you know that there is a feminist narrative out there, um, and that the media plays along. We hear a lot of a uh, lot of stuff about female victims of domestic violence, but little about male victims. We hear about sexual assault of women, but we don't hear about women sexually assaulting men. Other, re other reasons are, like I say, men don't speak out enough. Societal views, how they see uh, men and the false mm -hmm. masculinity that we, that we go along with. And just igno ignorance of facts, really. Yeah, I think you're right. I also remember, I don't know whether you remember seeing this, but, oh, crumbs, a good... 15 or so years ago, Coronation Street ran a storyline where the character Tyrone Dobbs um, was um, abused by his wife. And I, from yeah. what I can remember it, of it, they handled it really well because actually Tyrone covered it up from his friends and he would do anything um, to uh, to let his to, to prevent letting his guard down, and so his friends, people in the streets, so on and so forth, were completely oblivious to the fact that this had happened. And it wasn't until somebody noticed a change in his behavioural trait. I mean, they clearly researched the storyline very well, but they saw this change yeah. in his behavioural trait, and then the alarm bells started to ring, and then somebody challenged him on it. And I think you know. It, what would you say to somebody, you know, a friend, a colleague at work, whoever, if you thought that they were, that things weren't quite right at home, how would you broach the subject with them, having been there? I'd be really honest. I'd be, I'd, I'd be straight up to them and asking them what's going on. And I'd, I'd encourage them to, to speak to me and, uh, and speak honestly as well. You know, because I think that's that's what's missing. It, people aren't speaking out, and people need to speak out. People need to to own what's happened because that's that's where the true strength lies. It's been, you know, people say, "Oh, like, oh, if I admit a, a woman's at me, then uh, then I'm weak." I mean, when I spoke to, I've spoken to some men and women about what happened to me, mm. and they've said, "Oh, you you were." You were abused by a woman because you were weak. They said that to you. Yeah, yeah. They told, <laughs> said that to be face. Yeah, it's that you. It, they I don't, went through what I went through because they I was don't weak. understand. They clearly don't no, understand. Yeah, 
No, they don't. And that's what men or some men are afraid of, that people won't understand, that people will see him as weak. But no, speaking out own what happened to you, that's the true strength. Have you spoken to those people since? And, you know, have you sort of, you know, have they had a further conversation with you and realised that you weren't being weak, you were being very, very heavily controlled and gaslighted? No, I just cut them off. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, I mean, some... So if, if, some people do bury their head in the sand and they and they make comments like that, flippant cop- comments that are actually quite hurtful. Uh, but they don't take a step back and think, well, actually, just a moment, John could really be experiencing this. And if they if they know you of old, they yeah. know that you're not, you know, you're not a weak person. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I hear a lot of that had never happened to me. I hear a lot of that as well. And abuse can happen to anybody. And it can happen when you don't realise it. Yeah, it doesn't start with with them hitting you. It starts with them getting inside your head. And abusers are very, very clever at getting inside your head. What would you say to police forces who seem not to take this seriously? Oh, I think that I think you need more training. I think that the police really need more training. They 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 work on the assumption that. Males are perpetrators and females are victims, and that's not the case. No. Um, you, if somebody reports abuse, then you've got to take that seriously, whether it be a man or a woman. I mean, the police force that ignored me, I've, I've offered to talk to him on my podcast several times, and they've said no. Uh, well, they, they've ignored me. They haven't said no, they've ignored me. And I've, I've offered to go in and talk to their officers about what I went through, and they ignored that as well. See, I think it's better to, you know, if somebody has a suspicion that something's not right, it's better to investigate that and find it unfounded than not investigate it and then realise that there's a problem. And that goes for not just police forces, but partnership agencies, you know, and your friends and, and work colleagues and whoever they may be. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the the... The police were very much um, when when they did question my abuser. Um, they did they did ask her about the the photo of the bite marks that I had uh, had with me, mm. and she said, "Oh, he that was self inflicted. He bit himself," and they just believed that. Oh, and where was the bite mark again? It was on my hand. Right. Right. Well, again, you know, I, f- I find that extraordinary really, because, you know, nobody in their their right mind does that. How would you persuade men and boys to speak, to seek help? It's difficult to persuade somebody to seek help. Um, You have the, you have the, like I've said before, you've had the social construct of masculinity, of like, you've got to be strong and it'll be fine attitude. And just, you know, there's a lot of shame with perceived weakness. Mm. But the truth is men have to put all that aside. They have to look after themselves. They have to acknowledge that there's something wrong, acknowledge that they need help, and to speak out. And like I said, that's the true strength. Mm. Not 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 hiding it, that's not strong. No, that's a weakness. Because that's going to make you weaker and weaker Mm. the more you keep it inside. Sure.
So if somebody who is listening to this now is sitting there thinking, oh, crikey, that's me, what should be their first step to take? Um, if, you, if you can acknowledge that, you, that there is something wrong and you can acknowledge that, uh, that you need help, and the next stage is to is to seek help. And there's a lot of organisations out there that can help. There's Mankind Initiative, uh, Break the Silence, National Suicide Hotline, Samaritans, Men's Advice Line, and all their numbers can be found online. Or talk to your GP, because like I said, they were really helpful in my case. And it's so important to talk. Where can we get a copy of your book from, John? Um, from Amazon, just John James from the Darkness on Amazon, and it's in ebook or paperback. Priced at how much? Seven ninety nine. Seven ninety nine. And for some people, that could be the very the very best seven pounds ninety nine they've ever spent in their life. Well, yeah, there's there's a um, a refuge in Bristol that hands out my book to uh, the male victims. Uh, of abuse that go there. My book has been taken on at a university in Sweden as a part of their curriculum. Mm-hmm. Um, I went over there in 2020 and, and talked to their university students there. So, yeah, yeah it, can, it can be helpful. Um, your podcast, how often do they get updated? Every week, every Friday. Um, there's not one... There's not one today because I, I was at a, a funeral last week, so I couldn't do an interview. But from next week, it's uh, it's once a week, yeah. And where can we download and hear your podcasts? You can go to FTD Talk on Spotify or www.youtube.com forward slash FTD Talk. Or on YouTube as well. So that's Spotify yeah. and YouTube. And yeah. clearly your life is a lot better than, you know, what it was now. You're back in touch with your family, your friends, um, and I guess you're working. And, you know, are you, are you, would you say you're happy in yourself now? And I guess your faith will, will make a contribution, contribution to that. Um, but, you know, I trust life is a lot better now. I, I'm, I met an, um, an amazing woman who had been through her own nightmare of abuse. Um, so we had that connection and we understand each other. And I got married in last April. Brilliant. And um, she's absolutely amazing. So supportive and loving and caring, a true inspiration to me. So she makes me really happy. My faith makes me really happy. I have a, an amazing job um, as a wellbeing coordinator, um, working with... Uh, aged so yeah my life's fantastic john james thank you very much for talking to friday night live that is your lot for this episode you can catch the program live every friday night on black country radio from 8 p.m if you like our podcast please subscribe by heading to blackcountryradio.co.uk forward slash podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts from See you very soon. This is a Black Country Radio podcast, presented by Clive Payne and produced by Andy Caddick.